All right. Now everything's peaceful. Speaking of peace, have you all ever had a season in your life that was anything but peace? When it just seemed like one thing after another happened and it was just complete chaos and you're like, when am I going to get a break? When are things going to go back to normal? I can think of many times in my life like that, and I think a lot of you all can maybe think of things very recently, but um, I'm going to go back a little bit. Uh, I was in my early 30s. It was before I moved to Hilton Head. It was right before I was going to finish up grad school in Vancouver, and it was this four-month period where it just seemed like things kept going wrong. And let me uh, just give you a, a few things that happened. So first of all, I pulled my truck up to my garage, and I lived in this kind of farmhouse, and there was a slant on the hill that went to the garage. I parked the car and was looking at my mail. I got out the door and I left my car in gear and it started sliding toward the mail, not sliding, like flying toward the uh, garage door. I grabbed the back of the bumper like a cartoon and it dragged me through the first door and it was about to hit the second and finally it stopped, which was a miracle by the way. Otherwise it would have gone through the next door and then went down a big cliff. But, uh, anyway, my landlord was not pleased and, uh, so that was the beginning of things. Uh, I knew I was gonna, about to make this big uh, life journey to Vancouver. I was changing my whole life. So, you know, it was a lot of uneasiness. And I decided to go fishing with some friends. And when we were fishing, at the end of the day, I couldn't find my keys. We had been kayaking. And if you know me, I lose my keys a lot. I think I had left them on a rock or something. And I was so frustrated. So I, I didn't have keys to my truck and, uh, and my keys to my house were with the landlord. The landlord was getting sick of me by this point, by the way. So anyway, uh, I decided, well, as I was waiting for the other car to come pick me up, I decided to throw my fishing line in and there was a bunch of little kids around. And I caught a fish and I'm still thinking about my keys and the fish had completely swallowed my hook and I'm trying to get the hook out and I'm all like amped up. And all of a sudden I ripped the fish's head off with the hook and the little kids are looking at me like I'm this evil person and, uh, I'm like, sorry, I'm just a little stressed right now. And anyway, got back home, broke, got the, uh, the other spare key I had, not the landlord's key, it broke off in the door. Finally was able to get that out with a, a, a plier somehow. We got the part of the key out, got the right thing. So everything's back to normal. I decided before I went to Vancouver, I would do something else to relax myself, to find peace. I decided to hike on the Appalachian Trail with my dog. I've talked about that before. Great trip. It was great until we got back to the uh, truck and we're driving down the road and my smelly dog is in the back and the dog jumps out of the truck at 50 miles an hour. And um, I'm like, oh, no, I just killed my dog. And we stopped the car and the dog's sprinting past the car. He's got blood on his face and we took him to the vet and there was nothing wrong with him. And I'm like, whew, dodged a bullet that time. So finally, I uh, make the uh, trip to Vancouver and... Uh, Everything was good, except for the second week when I was there. My, I was living in an apartment trying to find a place for my dog and I, and I really wasn't supposed to have dogs in the apartment I was in. I was walking around at night, and a skunk hit my dog, and uh, I mean sprayed my dog, I mean by hit. And uh, I remember I was already trying to sneak him in. It was like, you know, under the iron curtain. So I had to leave that smelly dog in my truck overnight, and uh, it was... That truck still probably smells to this day, whoever has it now, if it's still on the market somewhere. But it was a time in my life when it just seemed like it was nonstop of just stress, stress, and peace seemed like a distant land I could never quite get to. I think all of us have had times like that in our life, whether it's from interpersonal personal relationships, family, friends, 
times when uh, maybe financially we have difficulties, maybe we're moving houses, which we've done recently, all of those things we know can cause stress in our lives, can cause uncertainty. And peace, again, is that distant land that so often is so hard to find. You know, when you look at uh, peace in Webster's Dictionary, it says this, freedom from disturbance, tranquility. Now, when does that happen in any of our lives? You know, we think it's going to happen in retirement, and then it doesn't. We think it's going to happen if we just got paid more, and then it doesn't. It's really not sustainable if we're honest with each other. Well, the good news this morning is that God has a plan to bring peace in our lives. And it's not the fleeting kind of peace where we have tranquility for a moment or we take a vacation and feel good for 10 minutes. It's an inner peace that lasts. Through all the chaos, through the ups and downs at life, that we can know that we're on the right path. That we're following God, that he's put us on the right path in life. And in spite of all the things that may be happening to us, we know that there's light at the end of the tunnel, even when there's darkness. See, God's plan for peace began and ended with Jesus Christ. God became flesh and lived among us, lived life with us, so we could understand that he loved us. He took away our sin problem once and for all on the cross, rose again, so that all that believed death would not have the final word in their lives. And we could live lives with that inner peace, that assurance that we're on the right path. So this morning, we're going to unpack the scripture from Jesus' baptism and then look at the reading in Acts and see how this applies to us all and see how we can uh, not only have this peace in our lives, but we can bring that to others, that we can be peacemakers. So we're going to unpack that this morning. So as we look at the scriptures in Luke, the word peace is mentioned in that gospel more than all the other gospels combined. Luke was big on peace. John the Baptist, who paved the way for Jesus when uh, he had a relative, Zechariah, who prophesied about what John the Baptist's mission was going to be. He said to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. See, John the Baptist, it wasn't going to be about him. He was going to lead people to peace through baptism from their sins, and he was going to introduce them to the person that could give them the power to live a life of connection with God. And that person was Jesus Christ. And when he was born, the shepherds were up on that field on that hill, as I talked about at Christmas time. Angels came down and they sang this song, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace among those whom he favors. So the angels were announcing this peace mission that he was going to have. Zechariah had prophesied about John the Baptist paving a way for this peace mission. And then the main event happens. Jesus is baptized. Let me read from the text. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. In other words, John again is saying, he is greater than I. I am preparing you for the main event. And then Jesus is baptized, and it says, Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was open, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, 
You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. Now, we've had a lot of great baptisms at our church, but we've never had a baptism like that. The Holy Spirit descends like a dove on Jesus, a voice from heaven. God the Father saying, this is my son, whom I'm well pleased. Everyone around there must have been in awe. It was no ordinary baptism. But I want, to, I want you all to remember two things about this baptism. First of all, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were all in this moment. This is how powerful it was. The Father affirmed Jesus' ministry. This is my Son whom I well pleased. The Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. And when we think of dove, we go back to the Old Testament. We think of the story of Noah. Remember, Noah was on the ark for 40 days. The whole earth had been flooded. And uh, finally, the storm uh, stops, and uh, he's trying to find dry land, so he sends a dove out. But the dove keeps coming back. No land. Then the dove comes back, has an olive branch. Like, there's hope, there's land. Sends the dove out again, and this time the dove does not come back. See, the dove symbolized salvation. New start. Reconciliation. As God made his covenant with Noah that he would never destroy the earth again with a flood. There was a restart. This new covenant that God was for the people, as he always had been. But it was a reminder of God's love for Noah and how God was a God of reconciliation. So this dove was no accident. It was peace. It brought salvation. It brings freedom. And right after Jesus' baptism, just like the ark that was out there for 40 days, he goes into the wilderness for 40 days. And after those 40 days, he goes into the land, so to speak, in with the people. And he starts to share his ministry of peace. So when I say peace, we get a lot of weird ideas. Is it like tie-dyed shirts and the peace sign? Is that the kind of peace we're talking about? It's actually something very different. See, as we keep going through Luke, we understand that the peace that Jesus uh, brought was a lasting peace. It was an inner peace, and it was a very specific kind of peace. There was a woman with an issue of bleeding that approached Jesus. Jesus heals her. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Throughout Jesus' ministry, he's bringing this wholeness to people. He cares about their problems. He starts healing them from the inside out. In another account with Jesus, there's a woman who was considered a sinful woman, and Jesus was having a meal, and she came in and started anointing Jesus' uh, feet with this expensive perfume. All the people started to grumble, especially disciples, about how much money this perfume cost. But Jesus understood this woman and her story. Some think that maybe she was a prostitute, that she had lived a life that was very far from God. But Jesus says, your sins are forgiven, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. See, this peace mission that Jesus brought was to bring wholeness to people, to bring forgiveness of sins, the deepest problem that all of us have, of saying no to God and yes to self. And finally, on the cross, he conquered sin once and for all. And when he was, uh, his last words were, it is finished, it is complete, it is done. Peace and reconciliation with God is possible for all people. And then he rose again, and the apostles were all hanging out. And he stood among them and said, Peace be with you. 
and they were scared to death because they thought he was dead, but he was alive. Can you imagine your friend who you thought was dead all of a sudden walking in a room going, peace be with you? It wouldn't be like, oh, and also with you, Jesus. No, they were, it says they were terrified. They thought they were seeing a ghost. But Jesus' ministry of peace and reconciliation did not end with him. He empowered the apostles and the early believers at Pentecost with the Holy Spirit, just like in his own baptism. So they had the power to carry out his ministry of reconciling people to God, this ministry of peace. And as you look in the Acts of Apostles, which was written by Luke, by the way, we start seeing all these accounts of people coming to know Jesus, of making peace with God, of receiving forgiveness for sins. And in our reading today in Acts, we see how this ministry wasn't just for the Jews, but it was for the Gentiles as well. As people gathered at Cornelius, the Gentile centurion's house, Peter begins to preach a sermon. And he says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Listen to this part. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. He goes on to tell, uh, tell the people that are gathered there how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit, and power, how forgiveness of uh, sins is found in his name. Then the Holy Spirit comes upon all these people, and many of these people were saved and came to know uh, Christ as their Savior that day. This ministry had power. It didn't end with Jesus. He empowered the apostles to share and join in this ministry of bringing peace, this inner peace and wholeness that comes from forgiveness of sins, of saying no to trying to live life on our own, and yes to the God who created each and every one of us. And it doesn't end there. It wasn't just the apostles for us to read about and say, hey, they were great, weren't they? No, it's extended to us too. See, this message of of peace through faith in Christ is extended for each and every one of us over the last almost 2,000 years, for the millions and billions of people that have followed Christ, to all of you and to me, it impacts us. It is a personal message of peace that impacts everybody. Remember in Acts, it says, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Jesus is Lord of all. Whether people recognize it or not, he is the creator. He is Lord of all. So it involves everybody. Paul uh, lets people know the totality of what Jesus did on the cross. He writes in Colossians, for God was pleased to have all the fullness dwell in Christ And through him to reconcile to himself, not some things, but all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So it involves everybody. It's not just a special group. It's not just us. It's everybody, even those who don't believe. He's Lord of them, too, whether they recognize it or not. However, they have to uh, receive it. They have to believe it. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that invitation is for everybody. Years ago, uh, I had this kid uh, in uh, one of the youth trips, and um, I've had several like this through the years, and he told me he was an atheist. He was a really smart kid. Um, His name was Noah, actually. It wasn't here. 
I don't like telling stories about here. It's too much of a small town. Someone could actually know Noah. Um, but anyway, this kid, uh, Noah, was talking to me, and he said, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. And I said, Noah, you're pretty smart of all the knowledge in the world. How much knowledge do you have? And he started getting kind of like shy. I said, well, let's say you have 50%. He's like, oh, no, I don't have 50% of the knowledge. I go, 10%? I, he wouldn't really answer. And I said, what if about 5%? Let's say you have 5% of the knowledge in the world. He's like, well, okay. Is there a chance in that 95% of things you don't know that there might be a God? And he got kind of humble. He said, yeah, well, I guess. And I said, well, no, the bottom line, if Jesus is who he said he was, it really doesn't matter whether you say you believe or not. It's still true. So I challenged him to, uh, to check it out. And don't just say, I don't believe. I can't say he converted that day or anything, but it did give him something to think about. That Jesus is Lord of all, Noah, for those who believe, for those who don't believe, whether they recognize it or not. Don't worry, I'm not going to get into a political uh, debate or discussion, but if you think about our last three presidents, George Bush, uh, George W. Bush, there was a lot of people who said, he's not my president because of the contested uh, election in Florida with uh, Al Gore. Remember all the stuff that was going on at that time? So a lot of people would call him Mr. Bush. They didn't even want to say President Bush. And then with President Obama, a lot of people didn't think he was born in the United States, so there was the whole birther movement. People say, oh, he's not my president. And now we have a president where there actually was a movement that said, not my president. But the bottom line is all of those people have been our president, whether we recognize it or not, including Donald Trump. Us saying, I don't believe they're my president doesn't really make a difference, does it? Because they are or they were our president. It's the same thing for all of us. Jesus is Lord of all. And the reason that's exciting is that means there's hope for everybody. Even those who don't yet believe that we have the opportunity to share our faith, our hope, the peace we found from being reconciled to Christ with them. It says in Acts 10.42, he commanded us to preach to people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So all of us have access to this peace that comes from knowing Christ. And this peace is so much different than the world's idea of peace. It's much bigger than a vacation or retirement or financial security or winning the lottery. See, all of those things don't bring a lasting peace. But knowing Christ, knowing the God who created you, brings a peace that passes all understanding. Paul writes, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace, into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. It was extended. It started with Jesus on his peace mission. It was extended to the apostles to start carrying it out and building the early church. And it's extended to us to be a part of this. See, we are called today, right now, to be peacemakers. For all of us who've understood that the vertical, that God has come down and become part of our horizontal lives. See, all of us have testimonies, I do, of when I was a teenager and I was trying to live life on my own terms. And I met Christ in a very powerful way at a youth camp. And I understood that he forgave my sins and how freeing that was. All of us who are believers 
need to understand or should understand that God loved us so much that he didn't just send us a sign or send us a book. He sent us his son who walked among people, who showed people what love is, who showed people where forgiveness can be found, who died on the cross for our sins and rose again so we have the hope of eternal life. See, we too are called to share this message. Paul writes, How then shall they uh, call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are set? And I love this part. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. All of us are called to be these kind of evangelists who preach the gospel of peace that only comes through Jesus Christ. He is not a way or a truth. He is the way and the truth. And that's good news for everybody. He not only tells us that we're supposed to speak this and tell this to people. We have that job. But he empowers us. The fruit of the Spirit says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He doesn't just give us one of those and leave the others to the rest of us. He equips us with all of those. Love, joy, peace, patience, all of those things. He fills our lives to share and to feed and to give to other people so that they can see the hope that we found in Christ. He equips us, and not just to share with people we like, but even to share with people that we have a difficult time with. Paul writes, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, will you, heap, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now, wait, what does that mean? You're going to, if you do good things, you're going to make, make the person feel a lot of pain. You know, theologians talk about that verse, but it, it tells us this. When, when we love people, regardless of whether they love us back and people, we have difficult time with them, just like a campfire that we stir up. It gives the opportunity for us to participate with God stirring up that person's heart. That they will... Uh, Think about their ways and the emptiness and selfishness of trying to live life on their own terms. So we have a call to share this peace with even people we don't like. So with this being said, what are we going to do about this message? What are you going to do? What am I going to do about this message? Well, first of all, if you haven't put your trust in Christ, even if you're not sure, even if you feel like you know 50% of things, I challenge you. To look deeply into what the scriptures have to say about who Christ is. Ask him if you don't believe to show himself to you. See, I believe he will. From the biggest doubter here to the one who's most assured, God continually will fill us with our Holy, his Holy Spirit. He'll put people around us who are spirit-filled to stir our hearts up. Yet to all who received him, those who believed in his name, he became, they have the right to become children of God. Secondly, um, for us who are believers, in order to access this peace in our own lives, to be peacemakers, to share this peace, we need to be about these disciplines, these gifts that God has given us. The first is prayer. You know, we talk about prayer a lot, but a lot of times we don't do a lot of praying. But we have Jesus' example that 
Early in the morning, his disciples would find him praying. Peter, who spent a lot of time with Jesus, said to uh, in his letter, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Paul writes, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He's called us all to be praying Christians, so we can understand his peace, and understand that inner peace. He also calls us to be in his word. That continues to encourage us. It confronts our sins. It helps us to live life light that's not burdened down by them. It helps us to understand and be reaffirmed that we belong to Jesus, that we're part of his family. All these things are gifts that we talk a lot about as believers, but we don't always carry out. In years of doing youth ministry, I've had so many uh, examples, and and here in my brief time as being uh, Greg's assistant, of people who've immersed themselves in God's word and prayer And God has helped them in very powerful ways as they've dealt with situations that are difficult, as they've dealt with anxiety, as they've gone through tough times. There's testimony after testimony of people who've seen the real power of the peace that God brings into their lives. So what are we going to do with this message as a church? Well, first of all, we are called to not just hang out in this beautiful building. Um, Although it's a great place, we obviously want to invite people in. But we're called to be the feet that go out and bring this good news, this good news of God's peace that happened on the cross through Jesus Christ. That all who believe in him can become children, can be part of God's family, can have this real hope, can know they are on the right path. We're called to share that. Now, at this time in American culture, a lot of us can say it's just getting worse. It's so bad. But I see it as a huge opportunity. I lived in Vancouver for a year, uh, British Columbia, and it was not the Bible Belt, let me tell you. There were a lot of churches there, but most of them were empty. And if you ask people about going to it, that you went to church or you're studying theology, they looked at you like you had three heads. They just didn't even have a concept. There have been several generations where it was just nons. They didn't go to church, had no clue. But the churches that were there were strong. They had a vital ministry there because, you see, The secular hope of trying to do life on their own was empty to people. People were crying out and wanted something more. I see that same thing in American culture right now. We can get stuck by reading the news and think about how bad things are, but there's a great opportunity to lead people to the one thing that can bring them lasting hope. There's a pastor, John Tyson, who writes about this very thing, and he too sees a great opportunity. Let me read you see a a lot of these words. He says, I think there is a lot of outrage, a lot of uh, of fear in our culture, a lot of demonization, a lot of overinvestment in human cultural cultural causes. Say that five times fast. Yet at the same time, the church possesses the reconciling power of the gospel, that the ministry of Jesus, that the power of the local community, loving and serving Christ brings. I see a lot of people with outrage, fatigue, trying to find a secure hope. And this is the moment for the church to lean in and to tell people about the hope, the lasting hope and peace that is found in Christ. So this morning, do you know that peace? I know we all have situational uh, times in our life when things are really crazy. Nobody uh, may know exactly what you're going through. But I want to tell you there's a real and lasting hope and peace that's found in Jesus Christ. Access that today.
not only through prayer and through God's word, but you also have this body of believers that wants to lift you up, that wants to pray for you. And for those who don't believe, put your trust in Christ. Millions and millions of people have before you of all different intellectual levels, from the most brilliant to the most simple. And they found hope and peace in following Jesus Christ. You know, in a little bit, we're going to exchange the peace. And before that, I'm going to say, Almighty God, have mercy on you. Forgive you all your sins through Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen you in all goodness and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. That's a reminder for all of us to not carry this burden of unforgiveness, to travel light. And then I'm going to say the peace of the Lord be always with you. And here's my challenge for you this morning. Don't look at your neighbor and go, and also with you. But I want you to say a little crazy this morning, and also with you. Because for us who have this hope in Christ, we have a lasting peace. We have an inner peace that the world cannot take away or steal. Let's share that peace. Let's not hide it under a bush. Let's bring that message of peace that's found in Jesus Christ to the whole world. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that peace is not found in us or in me. Because I know that's never worked in my own life and it hasn't worked in others' life. But a real and lasting peace is from knowing you, that still small voice that tells us that we're on the right path, that tells us that there's light at the end of the tunnel, and that gives us a job to do, to share our peace, our testimony, our story, and our hope of our relationship with you, with everyone we meet. You are the Lord of all. In Jesus' name, amen.